Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to It's Radio with TV's Tim Stack. Now here's the host of the show, a man who once wrote a movie for actor Robert Conrad, but was not allowed to be in a restaurant with him. It's TV's Tim Stack. Yay, Tim Stack. Yay, he's good. Oh, yeah, we like him. Hey, welcome everybody to another, I believe this is the episode one of season two of It's Radio with TV's Tim Stack. So I got I got a pickup. I just got told before we were recording I was picked up for the second season. So that's that's a big day. I should get drunk right now, and um, but I'm not going to. Instead, we have a great guest, which I'll get to in a second. I, I will tell the Robert Conrad story. I sort of miswrote that because I was actually allowed to be in a restaurant with him. Let me go back. I wrote a movie with a friend named Larry Williams. This would be 1985, called Glory Days, which you can find on Crackle, which is basic cable streaming crack. It's like, it's where shows you've never heard of go to live in purgatory, is Crackle. Well, I don't know, Jeff, may, you maybe have a show on Crackle. We'll, we can talk about that. Took me so long to uh, to get a show uh, findable when I was, uh, but so Crackle is Crackle is it's good. It's not exactly the senior league. I think it's uh, I think it's nice. It's, I think people have heard of Crackle. Okay, yeah, that, you're exactly right. Or they've right. seen it on their screen, but they've never gone there. Jeremiah is saying no, he's never heard of Crackle. Like a bad neighborhood, you know about it. Yeah. <laughs> you don't so, but you don't go there. So history after you've gone to Crackle, you're afraid to go there. I'm not going to Crackle. Um, <laughs> So, uh, so anyway, I write this movie and with Larry Williams, and we spent a lot of time with Robert Conrad. But the thing is that anytime we would go to a restaurant, I, I had to go in first, and then we'd have lunch, and then Robert Conrad would say, okay, meet me in the parking lot in five minutes. And then he would leave. And then we'd wait five minutes, and then I would leave. And this happened over and over again. And finally, I turned to his producer partner this guy roger bacon who was the son of the great uh writer for the herald james bacon uh what's the deal with me having to leave after him and he said you don't know i said no i don't know he goes well he's five foot six and you're six foot four he will not walk out of a restaurant next to you so that was (laughs) that was the deal It was so funny that the macho guy with the battery anyway he wouldn't and it was it was always a thing like, meet me in the lot in five. And then he would go, which sounded like one of his characters, like meet me in the lot at five. And then he would go, I have to wait five minutes. Okay, okay, I'll go meet him. So that's my Robert Conrad story. Um, there were a few other ones, but some I can't tell. Um, actually a good guy, crazy guy, but a good guy. Um, so let's get to my guest, because this is the second guest I've never met before. I'm trying to branch out. So he is a writer-producer. He's worked on shows like Friends. Some of us have heard of that. Veronica's Closet. Ground Floor. Now, I never heard of that, but he did 19 episodes. So let's talk about that. Two of my favorite shows, um, Angie Tribeca and Trial and Error. I definitely want to talk about those. Really, really fun. Right up my alley shows. And he did three episodes of Hanging with Mr. Cooper that I almost worked on. So I want to talk about that. And he's really famous for being Liz Astroff's brother. <laughs> anyway, please welcome Jeff Astroff. Yay! 
Liz, uh, she and I worked on a show called Raising Hope. And unfortunately, and but we just hit it off. It didn't work out for Liz there for whatever reason. Uh, but we just hit it off and really, and, and then we discovered that we both like her much more than me, this place called the Coral Tree. Sure. And, and she's there. There's a, it's her haunt. She knows. And we always joke about it because she, she always gets the same thing. She always has the same table and all that. And I always think like the people that work there, do they know her? But she's really funny. She doesn't engage with them a lot there, but she's there for eight hours a day. It's very funny. Yeah, she's very, um, she's, I mean, she's not allowed in a lot of other restaurants. I'm sure she's told you that. Um, you know, the reason is, is because she's 6'4". Yeah, and uh, people don't like going to restaurants with her. Uh, maybe I misheard your story. Um, yes, Liz is fantastic. Uh, I've, knows, I've known Liz all her life. Uh, and uh, she and I are very, very close. She's the funniest person I know. Yeah, it's really uh, true. And, and the best laugh, it's just like, when you make her laugh, it's it's so rewarding because it comes back at you and you think like, wow, I'm funny. But she's just I got guess. a really infectious laugh. She does. And it's both. We both have very like my authentic laugh is I think we both learned to laugh from comics because my authentic laugh is ha ha. <laughs> and it's just it's very annoying. We both have annoying laughs. But Liz is, is specifically um, piercing in the best way. Yeah. And she you can always hear her on the uh, soundtracks of the shows that she's been on. That's and, funny. A guy I know, I'm getting off topic, but a guy I know used to write on Golden Girls. And mm -hmm. for some reason, uh, Lucy uh, used to come to tapings to see Golden Girls. And he swears there's a bunch of episodes where you hear that laugh, that, ah! <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> at the end of a joke in a Golden Girls taping. So that's, uh, that's amazing. Really, first of all, I love all the contemporary references we're using already um, in this show. <laughs> This is, makes me feel. Oh, you don't have to worry about. You don't have to worry about the age thing. You don't have to be hip or no, anything current here. You don't. No, at home, I love it. No see, emojis. No nothing. None of that stuff here. Yep, I I expect us to have many echoes here and <laughs> struggle with the technology for the next forty minutes. Um, no, I um yes, no, I love my sister. I I don't hang out. I think I. For me, it's like I joined the Soho House uh, yeah. a few years ago. My wife wanted me to um, kind of branch out from working in my house, I guess. And so I joined the Soho House, which I thought would be fancy. And almost every single day, they said, may I help you? And Soho House is like, a, it's a very fancy place. I'm like, I, even when I showed my card, the, the guy was like talking to his lapel. <laughs> and I was like, no, no, I, I belong here. And it's, by the way, the Soho House, like, if anything, I look like a writer. I don't know why they would think I wasn't, but maybe because... Um, I brought my own food and fell asleep immediately. So it's not, I'm not good in public places. I think it's impossible. I don't know how you work in a public place. Well, the I, Soho I, House, I've been there and it is, it's like a really super high-end Starbucks because you look yeah. around there and it's all people with computers working and, but like a Starbucks, but you've paid a bunch of dough to get in here and it's kind of fancy and, uh, yeah. Yes. I would wake up almost always, uh, around the time that like Lionel Richie would be coming and playing piano <laughs> and then it was time to go. That's how I knew it was time to go when I heard hello, uh, on the piano. But, uh, yes, it was, it was a little bit too, it was a little bit too fancy, uh, for me. And I, I remember just the only thing I remember is like pacing outside, talking to my agent, about why I wasn't getting certain deals, and maybe that's because I was spending all my time sleeping in Soho House. <laughs> but very, by the way, 
very comfortable couches there. I think it's really uh, it's really nice if you don't. It's like getting your car serviced at a nice dealership. Did anybody have you ever seen anybody else sleeping there? That's really funny that you sort of would you stretch out on the couch? Yeah, I think it's like, you know, you're supposed to make yourself at home and the couches are so <laughs> comfortable. And right. unlike my house, there's no dogs running in or kids or anything. And, and it's just and no one is. I mean, eventually they tell you, sir, you can't yeah. do that. It's like <laughs> but, it's like sleeping on a subway. At some point, yeah, they're going to wake you up. <laughs> no, but it's very it's extremely comfortable. And I think, you know, if you're going to pay that kind of money, I only went there like there's like a gym membership. I went there like three times, you know what I mean? And it was like right. $3,000. So it was a three like thousand dollar naps. And by the way, let me tell you something <laughs> worth it. Really, That's some of the best sleep I've had. <laughs> I'm checking in tonight at the solo yeah. house. Um, yeah, so let's talk about showbiz. So I, I just, I'm always legitimately interested and I know you've probably talked about this before, but uh, how you got started, like how it all happened. Because Liz had you to follow, but I'd love right. to hear what ha how you did it. Um, I just wanted somebody to follow me, and I was like, "What? What can I do?" Um, I was so I was an investment banker. Really? Yes. I so was when an investment you, banker, you did not study the, any of this in college, I went. I went. I did stand up comedy in college, um, and I was always good at writing and and comedy. I guess. I mean, not like you know, whatever. Just I, I did some local local places yeah. in, in um in philadelphia and um you know i graduated so did you go to I penn to, is that I why i had a business school did you go to say, penn say did you go to penn is that why you were in philadelphia? I went to penn, yes gotcha it's not quite like dropping harvard people are like oh okay i think i i think it, i have a pen if you're from Doylestown, uh, pennsylvania it is trust me yes there we go so <laughs> anyway yes the harvard of philadelphia um, but, um, and then afterwards I, I took a job. I lived in Canton, Ohio for a little while. And, um, and then I, I moved to Chicago and Jacksonville. And I came back to New York cause I love New York. I'm from New York. And then I would do comedy at, at stand up New York. And, but you're still and, working um, as an investment banker. You're going to, you're clocking in in the morning and I'm clocking in at the morning. I had my, my punch card. And then the end of the day, I'd slide the dinosaur down and, and go. And, and, and there was definitely you know, I definitely was funnier than I was a good investment banker. And I won, there was a, a, a club called the Boston Comedy Club at the time. And, and I won Funniest Man on Wall Street, which I always says is like Jewish high jumper. It's like, you know, it's not that big a competition, but um, I won it. And then Do you I remember that, some of your jokes from then? Oh, they were just all, I kind of don't, I like the thing, the thing I, I was never able to do, which I wish I did, was um, I never had like a, a persona that I'd like to just get up there and kind of like riff. That's like the goal, I think. Like me, it was a it was a, you know, like a lot of self-deprecating jokes and some Jewish jokes and stuff like that. But there's nothing that really like you got to see this guy again. Right. And it's funny because on the I sent my tape in as an audition tape for um, SNL that year. Yeah. Assuming that that's the kind of stuff they were looking for. And and they it was I, I assume it came down to me and Chris Rock because they picked Chris <laughs> Rock. That was his first season. And so, look, they went a different way. It's not the not the first time, not the last time Chris Rock has been cast over me in something. But uh, I still uh, I still think they made the wrong choice. But, um, you know, I didn't I didn't really have a persona. And, you know, there's like you have a you have a persona you play and and um, and that's. You know that's that's the dream is like to get up there and not just 
you know, tell dick jokes for right. <laughs> for five of your friends that they make sure that you, uh, you know, get the, get people to, to pay for two drinks. But it was fun. I really loved it. So I had a writing partner at the time and, and he decided he was moving out to California. And I was like, uh, you know, he was working for an advertising company. So he was writing a spec script. And I was like, I didn't know what that was. I grew up on TV, much like Liz did. You know, we yeah. watched the, you know, the honeymooners on Channel 11 at, at night and, and um, you know, all in the family and, and every, every show just on our stomach while we were doing our TV, uh, doing our homework. Not on my sister and I are not Siamese. We do not have the same stomach, <laughs> but uh, our collective stomachs, uh, you know, we grew up on TV and but I never thought, wow, someone writes this. And then my partner moved out. My uh, uh, family was less supportive. My dad told me that if I move out to California, he won't tell me when he dies. And I figured, all right, he's not going to tell me when he dies anyway. So I might as well. Thankfully, so they uh, were not still, happy you were giving up the job to move out to California. No, he had just kind of like he was going through some career stuff. And it's like and it's, you know, you know, I had a degree from Wharton and I was an investment banker and I was moving out to ostensibly become a waiter, which is what I did. And I, right. I delivered sandwiches and I was a food dude. I, I was a food dude. I delivered sandwiches. I was temp. I was a talent tree temp of the month. And I always tell the story. I had a hundred dollar car, uh, which leaked so much oil. We called it the Valdez. It was the worst investment I ever made. And it had no, <laughs> um, it had no, yeah, it leaked oil. And I was, it, it cost me, according to the guy who I made rich, um, it cost me exactly a little bit less than it was worth every single time it needed to be repaired. But it really was like, it, I, I feel like it was a conspiracy with everybody on on this car but i remember one time um i got called by the talent tree temp agency there's a little promotion for them um oh, and they were like you know they wanted my best temp so i'm giving them you and it was like this we had colossal rains like we had now back then it was just, this was like early 90s and it was one of those colossal rains i was like and i'm like i can't do data entry because data entry was like six dollars an hour never in mind i had an ivy league degree and it's like but i was willing to do anything like i was you know i was struggling i wanted to be a writer and i was like data entry paid like six dollars an hour and i was like i need to make twelve dollars an hour or else i'm losing money because you know between the diesel fuel that and the dry cleaning because it's ruining my clothes uh, yeah. to go down there and parking and lunch i lose eight dollars and this woman told me, I wish I remembered her name because she told me if you, I told them I'd give them you the, them the best. And if you don't do it, I promise you, you'll never temp in this town again. And she told me that. <laughs> and that should be, it's one of the many names of one of my many books I've never read. I was going to say, that's a good uh, title. You'll never temp in this town. I'll never really temp in this title. town again. And it was important to me. It's always been important that I do something good, that I do my job. So I drove down there. I didn't have brakes. So I was like using my handbrake as a rudder and the car is just kind of floating. This is, uh, I thought downtown. I had it rough. Um, but eventually I got into the Warner Brothers Writers Program. And and, and this is there, still with uh, the partner at this point. You get in the Warner's program. Yeah, I get into the program. I have a, a writing partner, Mike Sykowitz. And we moved out to L.A. and immediately, you know, um, you know, I thought we were going to be like a sitcom duo, like just like living together. I invited my girlfriend out. He didn't expect that to happen. And that was not a good scene. Um, so we kind of we kind of went separate ways. And then 14 and a half years later, break up, except for the, my current relationship. Every relationship I've ever had has gone on decades too long, except for my wife. And that's, uh, you know, that's going strong so far. But and my sister, which is also going strong, um, different relationship, of course. Um, but so I got to the Warner Brothers writers program and then we were there and I was, you know, I had to buy, I was delivering sandwiches at the time. And so I would have to buy my sandwiches. <laughs> so I would, um, so I didn't lose my route. 
And this was just like a totally illegal underground uh, sandwich uh, days yeah. back when you could deliver sandwiches door to door out of a cooler with no yeah, ice. I remember those guys. Sure. And um, we were we were passing around stra uh, the um, you know staff infection <laughs> E. coli <laughs> from building to building. Um, anyway, so um, I met these two guys, Rinsler and Warren, who uh, sure. were running Full House, and you know I was a, like a real wise guy in the class, and they were like, "Why are you like you're, you're like why are you such a wise ass?" And I was like, "I don't know. It just is just you know who I am." And they said, "We're doing a pilot. Do you want to help punch up a pilot?" And I didn't know what that was. I was like, "Yeah, of course I'll do anything. I have to, you know, will yeah. they pay for my egg salad sandwiches?" <laughs> and um, I got in the writers' room, and I remember the very first day. It was hanging with Mr. Cooper and they they passed around the script and everyone is like, uh, you know, the guy who wrote it is Jeff Franklin, like huge talent for yeah, sure. this type of writing. But it was not, my, you know, that's not like how what I grew up watching, like Full House. But obviously he's got several houses and uh, he's done OK for himself. Yeah, and, and that's I'm, a job. Know, and, I'm doing, and I'm on your radio show. So where are we? You know, <laughs> know what I mean? So <laughs> I won is what I'm saying. Um, so, um, you know, the very first day they pass out the scripts and, um, they, they're like, everyone's like, they, he's like, what do you think of this pilot? And everyone's like, you've done it again, Mr. Franklin, a surefire hit home run. And I was like, ah, I don't get it. It's like, excuse me, <laughs> Who, who's the guy who smells like egg salad? I'm like, yeah, hi, Jeff Astroff. Um, yeah, I gotta be honest with you. None of these characters seem different from each other. I like, I don't know where the comedy's coming from. I don't know. You know, it's just, it's, I don't know. It seems like it'd be a lot funnier. And he's like, silence. okay, silence. Yeah, sure. And, okay, what what would you suggest you do? And I just like, this is just the funnest thing in my life. So I just started pitching jokes. And I remember I got in like nine jokes. And, and this is um, for the pilot of Hanging with Mr. Cooper. This is the pilot of Hanging with Mr. Cooper. I am the comedic voice of Hanging with Mr. Cooper. Um, and it was, I got a call that day from the guys who hired me and said, you never, here's the thing. If you come, if you have your first job, you never sit in a room and tell the guy who took six months to create a pilot that it's not funny and the story doesn't make sense. I was like, did you think it made sense? He goes, it doesn't matter. Of course not. That's exactly but this right. is not your job. And I said, am I fired? He said, no, you got in too many jokes. And that was kind of like my thing for probably the first, probably 15 years of my career. You got in too Was many just getting, getting in more jokes. jokes than I detracted from That's the room. That's great though. That's a, yeah. great, that's a great story. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so I started there. I was on Hang with Mr. Cooper, and then I went to a show uh, called Doc Man, which was actually a yeah, very, sure, very the good animated show. thing. Uh, Jason Alexander. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. It was very funny. That's still like revered in the animation world. It is. Yes, in a very, very uh, small group of people, and and it actually leads to my biggest credit, my biggest false credit. Well, hold on, hold on. We'll use that as a cliffhanger because we got to yes. take a break. Because that's what we do. It's AM, it's AM radio. It's, it's, it's AM radio. Let's do it. It's, but it's, you'll find out my biggest not real credit <laughs> coming that up. That is a tease. <laughs> uh, I'm talking to Jeff Astroff. You can find him at Jeff Astroff on Twitter and Instagram. His show, Shining Veil, which we're going to talk about later, is so good. It's on, it's also on Amazon. You did not mention that. That's where I finally found it is on Amazon. It's really good. It's really different. Uh, I'll plug me for Watch Sprung on uh, Freebie, and you can find me at TV's Tim Stack. And you're listening to It's Radio with TV's Tim Stack.
Hey everybody, it's Tim Stack from It's Radio with TV's Tim Stack asking you to watch the show Sprung on Freebie, Amazon's new free channel. I promise you it's funny, it's got heart, and my shoulder appears in episode three. Mr. Henderson, this is an email that you sent your trainer slash lover, Alfonso. Would you mind reading it, please? Dear Alfonso, I cannot wait to see you tonight. I'm picking up a bottle of Pinot. <laughs> what a hilarious joke. Alfonso only likes jammy cabs and Syrahs. Cute. So on that night, did you him in the I beg your pardon? Did you in the mother in the mother I, 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 what are you, a sailor? Answer my question. Why won't you answer my mother question? So, I've decided not to take the stand. Okay, that is from Trial and Error, created by wow. Jeff Astroff, my wow. guest today. That is so funny, that show. I loved it. I kept telling your sister, you know, uh, I'll use this as a segue to this question. Is there are shows that I wish I had worked on? Two of them are yours, Andy Tribeca, and that you worked on, and 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 uh, Trial and Error. Um, yeah. Is there a show you wish you had worked on? Like I wish I had wished I had worked on Trial and Error longer than I did. <laughs> I, I um, it, it's very funny you say that because I look at Trial and Error as um, you know, a show that like I would I would hate the person who created it, and if it wasn't me and um like that's a sign that's a sign of of a show that um you know like for a writer it's like wow i really hate that person they really created that and and it was i did it with a guy named matt miller but i I had the idea for it you know there was the the staircase you ever see the staircase sure oh yeah sure so i was going around writers rooms like 10 years ago and i was like i was like because liz and i would watch that and i said like this would be the funniest comedy and i pitched it to warner brothers year after year and to the you know and they were all like women uh tv execs and they were like it's uh you're doing a show by the guy who killed his wife and said yes they said but we want you to do comedy i was like it is a comedy like come back with something else uh and then finally like making a murderer came out and serial came out so like the time was right for it but uh that that's the love of my life that's like you know you have a dog your first dog that right. that you love more than the others that's a password to everything you own yes uh that's what that's what trial and error is to me that's that's my uh that's my uh, that's my show um you know as to shows that i wish i had written on you know everything everything brings you to a different um everything brings you to a different place so i'm i'm happy you know i i after after uh duckman i really wanted to um I really wanted to get onto this show. There were two shows I was up for. One was Friends, and what was it? One was a show called um, Blue Skies, about two guys and a girl who owned a travel agent. And I was sure that one would be a huge hit, and like that was my first choice. And instead of Friends, I didn't get on that show. Didn't go, but then I didn't get on a show called Double Rush with uh, Diane English, and like that was also you know, ahead of Friends. So I got on Friends. So I had a slumming on Friends, and now I'm working with Courtney again, uh, 30 years later. Yes. But um, you know, so I, I I have come to take the opinion that anything that you work on kind of gets you where you are if you're happy where you're at. I'm 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 very excited to be you know to have a show. I think having any show, I think any show you do, um, you have to be proud of to get out of bed. You know what I mean? Like um, 
Yeah, I, think anything, I mean, there's I also think. the money fact. You know, there's also like they pay you a bunch. Oh, of the money part. That's what I meant. Yeah. That's what I meant. The money. Yeah. Yes, it's about the money. Oh. <laughs> um, but let's go back to trial and error for a second. I do have one question about that. So, ask me. I could talk about trial and error for hours, and I, I have, and I have, and I have, and I will. And I, I, I actually have them on a text chain now. The whole cast. And if I text anything to them, it just erupts, and I'm getting things back from you know from the entire cast immediately, like we never left. It's really it's really sad for the all one of us. who really impressed me in that was that Gemma Mays. I thought she was amazing in that and show. Amazing, I I loved her. I mean, yeah, she was, and and she unfortunately, for some reason, I have a thing of writing women of a certain age. I'm probably, you know, I'm I'm guessing chemically, I'm a woman of a certain age. If you took my blood, <laughs> it would come out woman of a certain age, Ashkenazi woman of a certain age, and um, you know, I I felt like she was completely and still is completely underused as a talent. Like I she, couldn't agree. I totally agree. It's it's. She, yeah, she always plays the like the the hapless wife who has her arms crossed, and and that's not who she is. She's so talented in so many layers, and and you know it was just it, there was not a single thing I gave her that she couldn't do. Interestingly, right. um, you know she came in to read for the the part of Rosemary that ultimately went to Mira Servino, and and um, she didn't that wasn't right for her, but right. I, I really do think that she could do, I would love to write for her again. I loved her. I love the whole cast. I, uh, the whole cast operated just well above and beyond. Um, I think what they've been given, especially John Lithgow. I don't know what happened to him, but uh, <laughs> that I was my next question. It's like, how do you work up giving John Lithgow a note? Like, what do you do? How does that process work? So I, you know, trial and error was the first time I got a show on the air. And I know that's not, it's, you know, it had been after like 25 years in the business. So Good like, you. you know, I'd worked a long time, you know, half as long as he had. And, um, you know, I wasn't sure what to expect when, when, you know, when working with John and John, I will say this, John is the nicest guy I've ever worked with. And I've my, worked with my some niece really nice is guys. his assistant right now. And says my niece, Emma is his right. assistant right now. Nicest and, guy in the world. Right? Nicest guy in the world. Yeah. Just loves him. Yeah, we called him like immediately when we met him, like you hugged him. And by the way, I can't believe, I think the thing that you dropped in the beginning, which is all we should be talking about is that you're 6'4". <laughs> That's incredible. Like you do not play 6'4 on, on, on Zoom. No, I don't. On Zoom, I don't. No, you play 5'9", like me. Uh yeah, that's that's a sign of your humility. It's fun when I meet people taller than me, like Bill O'Reilly, for example. Nobody knows that that guy's taller than me. Right? He has what is he like six He's like eight, six, six six? And and when I was on, I'm getting off topic now. When I oh, was on his show promoting, this is way back promoting Nightstand. He wanted to like get into it with me about these TV talk shows and these daytime, and and it was like that's not what Nightstand is. It's like you know right. we're making fun of those shows. And he really wanted to get an argument. I kept, I kept trying to change the topic. And finally, I looked in the camera. I said, you know, he's six foot six. You'd never know this talking to him. He's like, Don't change the topic. Let's get back. Um, so, no, no, I look, let's, let's, uh, you know, people, uh, this is, this is him stack show. Um, but I, um, yeah. So John also very tall, six, five, um, you know, he's in the Tim stack, you know, he'd match up against you in the basketball. Um, and the very first day, um, 
I'm in the room. It's really tough writing a show. I always say, like people say, is your job hard? I say, yes, I'm 28 years old. Look at me. <laughs> um, so, uh, and that joke always gets too much of a laugh when, cause I look old. Um, I'll, but, do, you, I'll um, do your laugh. And you're like, ha ha you're like, ha 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 I was like, what do you mean? He goes, like, anything okay with my hair? It's like, I don't know, whatever you want to do. Like, that was, it's like, okay. And like you say, like, pitching, I didn't, I never gave him a note. I assume that it's like I worked with Julie Louis Dreyfus for five years. Yeah. If a joke didn't work, it, it was not it her fault. Her. It was yeah. not her fault. And the same thing with John. And John would like, if something didn't work, I was like, John, let me give you something else here. He's like, no, I will make it work. He was so adamant that, that the, that the, that the written word was like, you know, it was printed on stone. It was taken down the mountain on two stone tablets and he would not change a thing. And um, just really, really great guy. And never, never did give him a note. The only thing in the beginning, he, he asked me, he said, what have I done that in my career that you look at that makes you think I could do that? It's like every single thing you've ever done. Yeah. And, um, you know, and I asked him, you know, he plays a potential murderer. I asked him if he wanted to, um, you know, he had never seen the staircase before, and I told him not to watch it because I didn't want him doing an impression. Right. And um, he asked me, I said, Do you want to know if you had done it or not? And he thought, he said, Yes, but I'll never betray that. And um, you know, he he was having a hard time grasping the character. And the character has, you know, the character is a very oddball character. Right. And, you know, has to walk this line. And he finally got it by watching Jacques Tati, and he wound up tailoring he wound up cuffing his pants a half an inch higher than normal and that helped him get the character so funny actors and, are so crazy and funny i know so i was like um yeah do that that's exactly what i had in mind I, we knew it the whole time is wardrobe um, but, but a lot know, of actors will stress. do that or they'll find a prop or that's their process is they have to they need something to uh give them that little edge that they can focus on and can, can I yeah. tell you another actor story? Well, it's, sure. it's a departure, and then we'll get back to you because I, I have questions too. Um, was so I, I had the the uh, the great honor of working with Bob Gunton on the show, who's um, you know of Shawshank uh -huh. and uh, the warden in Shawshank, and just the also such a great guy. And the, we did an episode where he's golfing, and two of my writers were down there, you know, watching him golf, and he's hitting the ball pretty well. And, uh, you know, they were making small talk. They go, uh, do you golf a lot? And uh, he said, no, I've never golfed in my life. And they said, well, but you're hitting the ball really well. He said, my character golfs. <laughs> and I just thought, wow, this is like, I mean, this is a guy who would take a helicopter up. My character flies a helicopter. <laughs> like, my character does surgery. I thought, like, incredible like if they have that like that's the difference between writers and actors right there is that degree of confidence yeah like or the, or the greats like it's very very old school is like you know he starts smoking because his character smoked he probably still smokes now because of it but he like he was totally in character and you know it was great it's i i i love working with legends which is why i'm here tim wow on that note let's take our second break uh, Jeff Astroff is here. You can find him at Jeff Astroff. More importantly, watch his show Shining Veil. We're going to talk about that in the next segment because I was just, I'm just really impressed by it for a, on a whole bunch of reasons, which we'll talk about. Uh, and you're listening to me, 
Tim Stack on It's Radio with TV's Tim Stack, and we'll be right back. is really going to be great for us. Probably not. Are you shitting us? No, we're not shitting you. Let's go check it out. Welcome to Shining Vale. Really cold in here. Does the heat work? I mean, the house has been empty for nearly two years. She's probably not used to having people inside of her. Cat is a writer. I haven't written anything meaningful in seven years. I've been in a really dark place lately. My kids ignore me. Terry's at work. I'm hoping that being out in the country is going to help me find my muse again. If we don't get the first chapter next month, I want the advance back. No pressure. Patricia, what are you doing in my house? Pat's seen ghosts. Not ghosts. One ghost. Good news, you're not crazy. There are dark forces in that house. Wear this metal. I'm not really a saint person. Put it on, okay? Wonderful. Use your words, Patricia. And keep it filthy, that's your brand. All of a sudden, I wrote 13 pages. I don't remember writing. I'm good. I found my muse. That was a long clip, but worth it. Uh, That's from my guest show. It's called Shining Veil. It was made for stars, but I saw it on Amazon, which I'm so happy about that I was able to find. Your sister kept telling me, it's on Hulu. It's like, no, it's not on Hulu. I don't know. Honestly, I don't know where it's on. I don't. I, I think that's why. Um, yeah, I have no idea where it's on, but I know it comes from stars. It comes from um, stars. It's on Amazon and you can watch the whole, you can watch both seasons. Um, the first season is out. The second season is dropping, I think, in the fall. We just finished it and I'm starting to write the third season now. Oh, that's great. That's really great. Okay, let's talk about that. To answer your question real quick about Nightstand with Dick Dietrich, um, you know, that show, because I'm older than you, there was a show on called Fernwood Tonight. This is in the okay. 70s. Norman Lear, Martin Mull was the host. Fred Willard was the sidekick. And and oh. Nightstand sort of was to daytime talk what, what Fernwood Tonight was to the old Mike Douglas show. That's right, sort right. of how it was pitched. And then, you know, so, you know... How many, how many years did the nightstand go? It was two seasons, but we did 96 episodes. Holy cow. Oh, it was crazy. We shot them on weekends and because it was just one set. Very rarely would we go off the set. So we were able to do it. It was crazy. It was. And was uh, it all written or was there a lot of improv? It was all or? written. No, it was all written. It was just, there was no time to improvise. And because we had to get both shows done. Uh, we did uh, uh, four shows, five shows a weekend two and a half shows 
Some actor would get paid twice because they had to work Friday and Saturday. Um, yeah, it was a crazy schedule, and but we got it done. It was really fun. We really. Mate, my, I still, um, my sister and I will every now and again, like we'll say a, a double entendre. Go, yeah. people, no, no people, no, no people. Oh, that's awful. Uh, <laughs> uh, I I uh, I love it. It is really. Uh, I think I put in the, the coming up fa- um, uh, f- famous diarrhea stories or whatever it was with the gymnast. Yeah. It was just it's the perfect. It's my perfect level of humor. It's like right here. Yeah, I think th- I think it was like you're on a balance beam. Yes, you're having diarrhea. Then what happened? <laughs> no, it was like you had a double cappuccino. Yeah, okay, you that's it. Lit, you know the joke better than me. It was like the set. The setup was like you're wearing a white. Le- you're wearing a white leotard. Yeah, yeah, double cappuccino. Then what happened? Then what like happened? coming up after the Diarrhea break. Uh, yes, um, it was genius. I, I I don't use the word uh, that that frequently, but I will use it for that. Well, thank you. Well, somebody else's that show was somebody else's idea that we developed together. Um, so let's talk about your idea, Shining Veil, which which. Again, it's really, really great, and and I, here's my big kudos to you, is a lot of people think they can combine genres. Like, you know, like, yeah, we're just going to do this, and it's not easy to do that. No, it's, it was, so, so the idea, it was actually when I was doing Trial and Error, when I was doing what turned out to be the series finale of uh, Trial and Error. I thought it was a season finale. Uh, my my uh, home studio, Warner Brothers, said, what else do you have? What are you going to do next? I was like, honestly, probably get like a, a bowel resection. I've been having so much coffee. Like, what do you mean I do next? Like, I don't know, like go into rehab? What do you mean? Like, no, no, we know we know what's your next show because Trial and Error was wrapping up. And I was literally just, I was in Vancouver writing the finale. And they're like, we want to know what your next project is. And I understand. I work for them and yeah. have a deal with them. And so I was like, I, I don't have any original ideas left. I don't like, because you're all, you know, when you're doing a show, it's very hard to do multiple shows. And at least for me, there are some people who are effortless at it. And it's for me, I throw everything, everything I have into it. Yeah. Into most, the, most people are like you. I don't think I would be able to focus. Yeah. It's, it's very good. And there are people who do, my partner, for example, is someone who's not. And that's Sharon Horgan. And so I met with this producer named Aaron Kaplan and he pitched me these different things. And he said, I have, um, something sharon horgan wants to do uh the shining but as a comedy i was like i'm in so i talked to her and she said um you know do you think it's possible to do a horror that's as scary as it is funny she said because a lot of times when they try to do comedy horrors they're either scary or they're funny do you think you have something do you think we could do it and i thought for a second i'm not a big horror buff and i thought i was like yes because i know that like after you see a horror movie you laugh after you scream so i was like okay so it's all part of the same continuum of of uh, just surprising people and for me i've been doing this and you've been doing this a while too it's like it's hard to find i call like fresh snow like i did sitcoms for 25 years before i did my first single camera show actually no angie tribeca helped me and i did that to help a friend we were talking about before that's the first time and they had to tell me to stop laughing because i didn't realize i'm used to an audience and like it's i'm like why do they keep doing this again and it's like because that was just one shot like what do you mean like it took me a while to realize i'd never done a single camera show before really my own and now I'm like, oh, I love single camera shows. I, I love the, they're much just, easier. You know, I'm in post production on season two while I'm writing season three. So it's like, you know, I, I wanted to kind of challenge myself in my different parts of my my brain. So, you know, Sharon Horgan had the kernel of the idea and she had this 
kind of quote that she found that I really latched on to about how women are more than twice as likely as men to be depressed and more than twice as likely as men to be possessed and the symptoms are the same. And then so like I we ran with that and I um the very first scene I wrote um I hang up hung up the phone with her and I wrote the scene in the pilot if you've seen the pilot this the penultimate scene with a deer in the backyard I wrote that scene without knowing any of the characters or anything really? else. And uh, I sent that to her. I said, this is how you would do it. And um, she's like, yeah, you could do it. And then so and then it was very, very hard for me because my instinct was I had to break so many instincts. And she really helped me break instincts in, in a way only as honest and cruel as someone uh, like she could be. And she's and, you know, she's a writer also. So it's easy for her to, you know, she gives smart notes and and she'd say stuff like, are you really going to do a callback here? And I was like, my house is built on callbacks. You don't understand. Love callbacks. The first floor is the joke. The second floor is the callback. Uh, like, that's my entire career is a callback. I called uh, back your laugh on this show. Yeah, by the uh -huh. way. You, 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 <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, and then, but she really, she really helped me. But the whole thing was the tone and getting, you know, was, was finding that right tone and that right balance. And it's still very, very difficult. Every first cut I look at is just like, I'm like, well, I'm done. Career's over. Everything, they're taking away my friend's credit. Like, it's just like you assume that everything is over because it is, you know, it's, it's horror, horror plays in like different shot, like comedy usually plays in the close up. horror plays like more in the wide. And so, and also what I've learned, cause I had, they gave me two writers. I had one comedy writer and one horror writer and um the you know and never the twain shall meet they're, they're such different animals like horror writers and comedy writers they just know when one side is talking the other side just glazes over and right. vice versa it's very very cool and weird yeah, <laughs> and not probably not the easiest thing but but i think uh this is just me talking but i feel like you're almost selling yourself short on you're saying ha uh you know horror and comedy there's also, you know, the it's a family show. That's the other yeah. thing. And it's a show about a woman struggling with mental illness. And yes. and I don't know, somehow you've been able to do it all in a really well shot. I love the music too. I yeah, I, I really love the music. I thought that you did just really great choices in that because yeah there's the element of horror i'm just talking about the music for a second there's the element of horror but there's also the element of comedy in just in the music and, yes so that's yeah, tim phillips did our score and and um you know it's yes it's it's very very cool i'm very very proud of it i i the thing i latched onto about and the thing i thought was going to be difficult first of all there's an ego thing when somebody else like you mentioned oh somebody else came up with nightstand like it's like i still have to you know sharon horgan is the is the big name in the room and it was her original idea i i ran the show thankfully COVID kept her far away so i got to run it i was very very lucky to uh run the show and she's very very generous with me in that um but um you know i um you know, we, we, I, I really latched on the things that I was worried about because her show, she has a different sense of humor than I do, by the way, obviously brilliant and can do 10 things, but her show catastrophe, which I love yeah. is it's, it's much darker. I mean, it's, it's real reality based. So I wanted to say like, okay, keep the character stuff, but I, I wanted to do a show with a heart to it. And then once we cast Courtney, that was very, very easy because people love Courtney. It's like, Oh, Monica so nice in, in real life too. She's just a oh, nice person. The absolute, absolute best. I mean, she's like, again, I I've been so, so blessed to, to work with really nice people. And she is the sweetest of the sweet. They all are. The whole cast is, 
And it's also nice being around their age too and having that experience because they they trust me. And also the other thing with which is a good idea, if you can cast something, if you could write something no one else has done, you're the only person who knows how to do it. So um <laughs> that's you know, a it's very a, it's a burden, but it's they trust you. Yeah. But um, you know, I love the mental illness part. I'm I'm very lucky to come from a long line of mental illness. Um <laughs> who and, is uh, you're in you, show you business. Who is it? Oh, believe me. We've talked. She's so funny about that stuff. And it was my favorite things on her show, Pivoting, was the, the drug episode where she was yes. drugging up the teacher to get her child something. I said, that is so perfect. And I live in Santa Barbara. Trust me, I saw it when my kids went through school. Um, mm -hmm. So, and the, other, and the other thing, and we're not talking enough about Greg Kinnear, who's really good. I mean, he's just really solid in that, especially in the pilot, you see this guy who's working... He's working a little hard at trying to keep this thing together, and yet there's clearly another side to him that, um, again, it's really, really good casting. Um, yeah, they, 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 they can all do funny stuff, but at the same time, they're selling the real stuff, too, and that's yeah, not so, necessarily easy. Yeah, casting is, uh, writing is 100% casting, you know, and we all, the same writers where we said, like, the same writers who wrote Friends wrote veronica's closet you know what i mean like it's like and, and veronica's closet had a good cast too it just wasn't the same like lightning in the bottle um but yes greg it was very interesting because when we cast you know the character of pat played by courtney is not not immediately a likable person on paper she is you know she cheated on her husband she's uh alcoholic she's admittedly not a good mom you know she curses i think we have more curses than in the wire but that's also because uh <laughs> cursing is a is a symptom everything is by design it wasn't people like oh it's gratuitous it's not gratuitous i mean maybe it is but every they're all symptoms of mental illness and possession is that you curse a lot if you do look that i did a lot of research and there's such an overlap probably because they used to think that possession was mental illness and then the people who believe in possession think that mental illness that demons attack people who are mentally ill so That's interesting they have a good cover wow but we we cast courtney and i was like okay so everyone's gonna love this character this is gonna be easy but then we cast greg and greg was more likable because greg is so he fills up a screen and he breaks your heart so then like i had to pull courtney back and even in editing it you couldn't go from tight shot to tight shot because you're like i love courtney but i love greg more so now i don't like courtney um as much yeah but so, it balances out as you watch the show and uh anyway just a really uh really good job we got to take our third and final break until our big conclusion that we build to um, <laughs> this is amazing people are hanging I, i'm i don't even know what's going to happen people pull over the side of the road because they're on am radio so they pull over to listen they don't want to touch the <laughs> dial um so uh uh, you're listening to It's Radio with TV's Tim Stack. I've got Jeff Astroff on. Find him on Twitter and Instagram, at Jeff Astroff. Mostly, though, watch his show, Shining Veil, which we just talked about. Um, it's on Stars and Amazon, and uh, we'll be right back.
Hey, it's Tim Stack, and having been in show business for so long, I have a lot of really funny friends, and you can hear them all on It's Radio with TV's Tim Stack. That's part of the Jeremiah Show. So listen. Okay, okay, Phoebe? Yeah, no, I'm just, it's not, it's not even worth it. It's my bank. <laughs> what did they do to you? It's not, it's just, okay. I'm going through my mail, and I open up their monthly, you know, statement. Easy. And, Easy. and there's 500 extra dollars in my account. Oh, Satan's minions at work again? <laughs> yes, because now I have to go down there and deal with them. What are you I, talking about? Keep it. It's not mine. I didn't earn it. If I kept it, it would be like stealing. Yeah, but if you spent it, it would be like shopping. <laughs> okay, okay. Let's say I bought a really great pair of shoes. Do you know what I hear with every step I took? Not mine, not mine, not mine. <laughs> and even if I was happy, okay, and, and skipping, I'd hear, not, not mine, not, not mine. <laughs> We're with you. That was an episode of Friends called The One, one with the, the Thumbs. thumbs. That you wrote. Yes. Uh, that was the very first uh, episode. Um, that was the very first episode of Friends after the pilot that was written. My partner, Mike Sykowitz, and I wrote it. Oh, so you were in there on day one after the pilot. I didn't realize yeah. that. Oh, yeah. Wow. So, yeah, that was, the very first, uh, that was the very first episode that was written after the pilot. That wasn't the one that aired after the pilot, but that was the first one that we shot. Right. And you were not at the table read, the famous Friends table read. The initial one? Yes. No, I got I got hired after it. Um, I got hired after it was picked up. Like it right, was just, right, you know, okay. I was staff writer, story editor on the show. Um, is there, I'm going to say this, this is going to sound weird, but um, there's certain things in life like everybody just loves this, loves this, loves this. And I, I'm, I'm being honest, like friends to me, you wrote on the show. I don't mean this is not a dispersion on you. Like I get why it's so successful. Like, I completely get it. It just wasn't like a tune-in for me. And I'm wondering, is there something like that in your life? Like, everybody loves blank, and you're kind of like, yeah, I get it, but I'm not crazy about it. Yeah, it's it's funny because it's, yes, I know you mentioned this. I, not everybody is crazy about Friends. I, I don't know that Friends would have been my show to watch and i don't know it's it's very hard for me to separate just because if i'm jealous of something like like i don't love ted lasso like i tried to get through it i, I i'm completely with you but i understand why people yeah, no i understand i like he's a likable guy and i yeah. understand that um you know i understand like a feel-good thing but yeah. it's not like it's not my thing like there are certain movies that people love and i'm trying to think um that i was just like eh, okay we talked about this in 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 the room today because i because i i'm in a room that's half horror and half not and and um the, again our tastes in movies are very very different uh very very different but right. um you know like it's it's i'm trying to think of like shows that like my favorite shows in history have been like some of the the great shows but i don't know like like honestly like I this is this is this is gonna sound like sacrilege now. I'm gonna say this and yeah. you're gonna think it's sacrilege. Like I liked Seinfeld, but it wasn't like if I missed Seinfeld like growing up, like I couldn't miss All in the Family or MASH. Yes. Saturday nights on yeah. CBS. Yes. Or or yes, I I couldn't I couldn't miss any of those shows. Um like 
like Seinfeld, I, I gave up on after a couple of seasons. That's like, so that's sacrilege. I've never no, said that. No, I know. Loud. I know people. And, and it's like I, the Rolling Stones. I'm like, yeah, they're all red. I don't like. Yeah, I mean, Led Zeppelin. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. And they exist. It's always interesting. So, but, yeah. but Friends was obviously really good for your career to be on a hit show like that. Oh, it, it really, we, I mean, famously, we left Friends also after the second season. So we became also a cautionary tale. And there's not that many people who can brag of being a cautionary tale of, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, with the, the, the uh, peak bests of, uh, of TV. But, but uh, like I said, it like it wound up, uh, you know, I met my wife afterwards uh, and they say, you know, you always say this, you can't put a price on your wife for me. It cost me about $28 million, but um, <laughs> it's worth it every day, my wife and kids. Uh, similar thing with me in Saturday Night Live. Like, I, I don't know that I would still be with my, I don't know, my wife and I were at a strange point when I was almost on the show. They didn't offer me a job, so it's not like the same thing of right. you not going back to friends. They were saying, no, get out of here. Uh, but, but had it worked out, I'm not sure. I don't know. I didn't, I, I talked to a very good friend of mine who is like this, I mean, different industry, but he said the same thing. He left, you know, he was, had a chance to make a lot, a lot of money and he was convinced. I always wonder that, like I've done, I'm, I'm very, very grateful for what I've, you know, what I've accomplished and I have a show on the air and that's, you know, I, I love that. I love what I do. I love coming to work and, you know, for the most part, especially now just developing stories is, you know, it's great because, you know, no one's telling you that you're wrong yet. Um, but um, well, you've, it, as you said earlier, you've also developed your own sort of unique niche right. show that what are they going to give notes on? Because it's like they don't give a lot. They give a lot of the notes that I get. And Stars has been great. And Warner Brothers is just purely it, it's also because I've I've gotten to this like kind of like age where I'm like, I'm you know, I, I know what I'm doing enough and I'm old enough. I just don't I don't have enough money to not take notes like i don't have enough so i still take notes um but yeah but i'm also collaborative and you know if someone has a good idea but you know um i don't know i just i i love i i love what i do but i always wondered like i never got like the big you know like the big show you know the big hit show i don't and think those exist anymore so what you have those don't exist but like but you know like like, I honestly thought, like, trial and error was like, I, I thought I hit that out of the park. Like, you know, you have a show with John Lithgow. I thought, like, I hit that out of the park. And I had to fight so hard. And it's a it's another hour conversation to get that show picked up for a second season. We had to cut cost. We had to cut. I We had to cut the, the budget in a third. I moved to Canada. We stole a stage from Arrow and then took uh, <laughs> other stages. But we took we took the court set like we were up in Vancouver. Like, whoa, you throwing that out? We'll take it. That was the courtroom. <laughs> it's like, on the curve. Was, it's like you see a, a couch in the, in the on the bin. curve. <laughs> yeah, they were putting the whoa, whoa, whoa. Back up, back up. Get a truck. But that don't throw that out. Uh, and um, and, you know, and that was that that show just died after two seasons and and it's just it it breaks my heart and you know so um anyway you, know. you got we got to wrap it up but you've got this great show I, again i just can't recommend it enough it's real i can't wait to dive back in i got my wife hooked too great um, thank you you know it's really really good it's really different again uh it's just really well shot the directing is great um yeah. It's just really Shining Veil. You can find it on Amazon now. So that's easier to find than Stars. Yes. Most people seem to have Amazon so more than Stars. Um, anyway, Jeff, thanks so much for doing this. I really appreciate it's it. It's been a pleasure being with the great Tim Stack. I, I am <laughs> such a big fan of your work, and, and uh, mostly that, that uh, my sister says such nice things about you, all of which seem to be true so far. So far. Well, no, it's good. 
Jeff, thanks a lot. Uh, we'll see you next time. And you've been listening to It's Radio with TV's Tim Stack. As always, a big thanks to our station manager, Les Carroll, for letting us on the air at all. Listeners, we appreciate you and want to hear from you. Please send us your ideas at jeremiah at thejeremiahshow.com or on Messenger, on Facebook, or Instagram. The show is produced by executive producer Jeremiah Higgins and me, your announcer, Tony Kelly. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.